I'm gonna ask y'all first. How would you define happiness? Um, I would define happiness as a state of just pure joy. Uh, coming from a space on the inside, it's like you feel complete calmness, happiness. That's what I feel. I equate happiness, I think, with peace mostly. Yeah. Um, so just whenever I feel my most peaceful, my most calm, my most authentic self is what I equate happiness to. Seeing you in my mind, ain't believe it all this time. Oh. Wasn't looking for love, I found you. Now anything else won't do. Oh. You remind me of something I never. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast. This is your boy Rodney Perry King himself, and you just tuned into the Soul Fleet Conscious Podcast for Humans simply being humans. And I thank you for coming on. Make sure that you follow me everywhere. Podcasts can be streamed. You can even tell Alexa to turn on Simply King Podcast. Play newest episode and she'll do it. Make sure you follow me everywhere. Kings underscore memoirs. Follow the podcast at Simply King Pod on IG. Go and like the Facebook page and comment on anything, any of the previous episodes. Uh, tap in with just more information on the history of the podcast when it comes to Simply King Podcast. Make sure you follow me on TikTok. Make sure you follow the business page at Life is King. Look up all those different services that I provide and keep, keep, keep on sharing this because this is family size content. Don't be stingy with this. If you enjoyed it, you liked it, you liked a, a clip, you shared it, you showed it with a friend, you had a conversation about something on the pod, make sure you're sharing it with somebody else. You know, you understand? You understand? It's, it's a Sunday, so I'm feeling preachy, I guess. But no, this is a another attempt at me kind of creating an actionable, actionable thing that we all can participate in and do to better our lives. Self-help is something that I've been into a large, large portion of my life. I think I've always been enamored with the idea of improving myself. It's crazy that something like self-help can become a quote unquote toxic <laughs> indicator of masculinity these days because people care about, you know, self-improvement than they care about very specific forms of self-improvement than they do anything. And um, a lot of men especially do, um, you know, they read more self-help than they do any fiction. So they really don't have an imagination or, or they're not even tipping into their emotionality. So much of their life is that way, but I don't want to be in on that sandbox because we have too much to cover today. What this episode is titled is The Joyous Three for a reason of that's what I'm titling the exercise that I want you all to ultimately do, which I'll break down more in the send it on segment of this episode. But I'm going to give you kind of the, the reason as to how I came up with these particular questions. And you'll see throughout the episode, I'm actually giving you, you know, some antidotes from real people in the moment of them answering some of the joyous, one, one of the joyous three questions or all of the joyous three questions. And um, so you'll see those things in a twine, you know, amongst the episode if you haven't already. But I think that for me, I really wanted to uh, create something that could assess 
how much space we're actually making for happiness in our life. The funny thing in doing research, the main thesis that I had was, do we make better decisions when we're in a happy mood, when we're in a happy space? And that's the thing that I really wanted to investigate because I feel that so often for black men specifically, but I think everyone um, has this, you know, has particular, you know, relationship and complex around happiness in their mood. I think for black men, we really don't be making space for happiness. We really kind of reserve the right to be happy for the sake of, you know, things being stable or things being, you know, certain things being done or everyone else being taken care of to a certain extent, depending on the, you know, the role that you play in, in life. It just really depends. But I really want y'all to understand something. I believe that for me, I'm really buying and drinking the Kool-Aid that I make better decisions myself when I'm happier. So this is something I wanted to at least prove to myself. And I thought, I wonder if other people feel the same way. I expect for people to disagree. I expect for people to challenge some of the research, but I believe I, I was as objective as I could be, even though I'm kind of already convinced on this overall idea that you make better decisions when you're happy. Um, but the research is the research. And um, I have all the links that I utilized in this episode, in the description of this episode, um, so that you can check them out and do further, do some further research, do some further looking and, and, you know, getting into it as you like. But, um, but I appreciate y'all so much for tapping in with me, tuning in with me and just sticking with me throughout all of the, you know, the inconsistency of, you know, publishing episodes like life really be life and y'all. And I think I'm moving forward to a point to where I'm not putting too much pressure on myself. Um, that's probably why you guys are seeing so many solo episodes is because I don't, for one, don't want to waste anybody's time with my own sporadic, you know, schedule. And I just want to continuously give you all a commitment to what I'm committing myself to. This is not only just me publishing content, but this is also another moment, another piece of practice to better become better at all of this. So let's get into it. This is Simply King. <laughs> um, I would define happiness as a feeling of inner peace. And uh, maybe maybe I would sort of tie in like uh, the level of trust that I have for myself. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's probably all, all that I got for that That's one. Good. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, happiness is uh, a lot of it is geared around self-love. Uh, so for me, it's whatever allows me to feel as though I'm loving on myself. Um, and so if I'm giving myself that love, uh, then I'm doing things that make me happy. Uh, and so uh, that can be unconditional. Sometimes it's, you know, you want it to be unconditional. You want it to be that agape type of love. I heard that. Uh, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's subjective and it's circumstantial as well. I could be, you know, doing one year could mean something for me different than what it means for me next year. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like it's always changing and evolving, but that's a beautiful thing about loving itself um, and self-love. You're learning yourself a lot as well. And so happiness is kind of rooted in that for me, I think. I love that. I love that. So let's get into this research, right? So this main overall thesis that I have is that I believe that, you know, the mood, there's something connected to the idea of the mood and our decision making. Think about when you are stressed, when you are in duress, when you're in crisis, 
how you might be quick to make certain decisions. Maybe you you slow to move because you don't want to misstep. Think about that feeling. And then think about when you make decisions, when you're happy. And I find it funny because when I was doing, you know, kind of some on the field interviews, I thought it was interesting how people kind of, you know, brought in the idea because I had asked them all, you know, how do you define happiness? And I brought and It's funny how they brought in the idea of how there are certain things that make them happy, but aren't good for them. Which to me, I challenge that, you know, if it's not good for you, then it's just a, it, it may not be happiness might not be the best descriptor for it. it might be to an extent. But the idea, if there's some shame around it or there's some complex around it, then that might be that might not be what you think it is. You know, it's kind of like the idea of like love and lust. Like you can sit there and maybe be very doing all the, the performative actions as if you are loving somebody. But in reality, you're lusting. You know, it's just lust. I think it's the same way when it comes to happiness. Sometimes I think we get it. We can get, you know, really amped up off of another emotionality that fuels that thing and maybe fuels that bad habit that we've kind of, you know, found a way to be more disciplined about. So it just depends on the person. I got so much research, so much research. I And um, shout out. Oh, I almost forgot. Shout out to Notion. The Notion app is a big, big proponent in the organization of this episode. I wrote my outline. I use Notion AI to help me find research even faster. I wrote this whole outline in maybe less than 30 minutes. Like all of this. All of this, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a lot. It's a lot. And um, but shout out to Notion. I think it's going to be y'all have a, a true customer out of me for real, for real, because um, I'm definitely going to try to expand and see how much I can really organize on that app. So check it out for all freelance creatives, creatives, small business owners. Notion, it may just be a productivity note taking app that you can use to collaborate with your team, do all type of stuff. This is not an ad. I just like the app, period. But no, let's get into some of this research, right? Now, for me, the big thing that, you know, when I started this whole conversation, it came, you know, this whole, you know, outlining of this episode, it was based off of some conversations I was having with some of my best friends. And I think every conversation that I then had after I had the idea only affirmed that I was, you know, on to something, you know what I'm saying? And I had a good conversation with my therapist, which really was the kind of like the what I thought was the, you know, the, 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 the nail on the head type of moment. But in reality, it was actually me bringing it up to a best friend of mine and his response to the idea of it was like, oh yeah, this is something I got to talk about because there was an, there was a particular, you know, I think he was a model example of exactly why this needs to be spoken to. And what I wanted to bring up and bring out is because um, all I asked was, you know, this is kind of the thesis that I have. I think we, we might make better decisions when we're happy. And I think that so many black men don't allow themselves to be happy because we opt into and we subscribe to the idea of grinding and gritting through life to gain what we need for ourselves and then ultimately for other people that we opt into being responsible for in some way, shape or form. Um and I and I and I'll quote this Atlantic article. 
that gives this connection to overall kind of, you know, because I, I wanted to figure out, like, are there examples of, you know, blackness and happiness? Is there a through line in terms of what makes us happy? And what I found on, in this Atlantic article was just that a lot of blacks, a lot of black people have truly, truly been able to be happy the further they can detach themselves from the status quo. Um, and I quote from this article speaking to overall, you know, social construct of racism. And let me read a drop in racism explains happiness increase. Uh, David Leon Hartz writes, the most obvious cause of the shift is the decrease, though certainly not the elimination. I heard that in the data into day to day racism, the decline in prejudice has been astounding, says Kerwin Charles a University of Chicago economist who has studied discrimination well into the 70s, blacks faced a vast array of personal indignities that led to unhappiness, he noted. Today, those indignities are unacceptable in many areas of American life. We need a few more that adds to that list, though, but, you know, go crazy. You can't you can't you can't kick a motherfucker off the damn bus no more. Sure. Um, but I think they would try. But I digress. It isn't hard to see how the decline in discrimination improves people's lives above and beyond their pay. Now, the reason why I bring that in to kind of, you know, further my point is that I think that there when there's this looming idea that you have to follow to, quote unquote, win in life. I think black men have done nothing but opt into that and raise their children based off of that and perpetuate the idea that fuck happiness. It doesn't matter. Who cares? That's not what's going to get you to the next level. Get to this money. Get get to this bag. Worry about your chicken. Get into it. You know what I'm saying? Because happiness, who like you, you can't be happy if you got bills. You can't be happy if you got a girl who worried about if you're going to hold down this job and take care of her. You can't be happy if you got kids. So how can you care about yourself? Because it feels selfish for one, to a lot of black men to even prioritize their happiness, even though them being in the center of so many people's lives, for whatever reason, from societal reasons, from, you know, head of the household reasons to, you know, all that breadwinner shit, either way, just patriarchy puts men in the center, no matter how we want to, you know, fly it. That alone, because that happiness will bring compassion. It will bring us out of the center. It will relieve us of the pressure that we opt into but this all is a practice of unlearning patriarchy, too. So you got to see patriarchy as something that you can't opt into to continuously be able to do something else. Right. So. I have a, a, a slight diagnosis that I want to put upon so many black men, a new word that I learned that I think describes the, the thing that black men kind of perpetuate, and that is Cherophobia. Cherophobia. I believe I'm saying it right. I think it's cherophobia. I don't think it's cherophobia. Cherophobia. And um, I actually am going to quote something from positivepsychology.com, which really breaks this shit down. And it's the term cherophobia originating from the Greek term chero, which means to rejoice is the aversion or 
fear of happiness. While cheerophobia is not currently recognized as a clinical disorder under the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5, several studies have begun to validate its existence scientifically. 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 I'm saying it again and again and again because I want y'all to really understand. There is enough data popping up from a social behavior. You hear me now? That they can, they're starting to realize that this might be a literal psychological issue. Think about that. Because it gets to a point to where I think, you know, we see it all the time. And, I, and I'm centering this in the black men, not saying that black women don't do it. I think black women, I think we all live under this. We don't live in a vacuum. We don't, we, we obviously live in the same situation. So I think that a lot of black women do the same things. You know, not, they don't prioritize their happiness. They put, the, put other people in front of themselves. They're people pleasers. They're all these other things. But I think I've seen more energy collectively in getting to happiness, getting to peace, protecting peace, all these various things from black women way more than I see it from black men. And I think that it's rooted in there being a fear of this idea of just being joyful because you don't feel like you have time, space, energy to relegate to this happy mood. I genuinely feel that way. Or the things that you feel like make you happy aren't good for you. So you so you disassociate instead of actually trying to find the healthier, more genuine things that really come and fuel your life and fuel you in some way, shape or form. How do I define happiness? I'll be honest, words language is really hard for me. But when I think about happiness, I think about how it feels in my body. And that feels like lightness. It feels like ease. It feels, I don't know, almost like I'm, like I'm lifting into the air. That's what happiness feels like for me. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's another one. Yeah, I like that as well. I'm going to just say contentment. Overall contentment and kind of living on your own terms. Mm. You know, no comparison. Just kind of feeling free. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But let's dig even more into the things. So I wanted, I wanted to go and go and find, just ask the question to the Googles, to the AI of today. And if you're not using AI to do your things, to you know, increase your productivity, I highly suggest it. And the first thing that came up was something from, was something, was a quote by way of an article, a like scholarly article titled, How Happiness Affects Choice. How Happiness Affects Choice. And, and so the first quote that I got from this is something that gave me even more vocabulary. And I'll read, for instance, when people are in a mood, positive new mood, they are more than likely to engage in heuristic processing. Heuristic processing, because uh, I didn't know what it meant, so I don't assume y'all do. Heuristic processing occurs when people simply form immediate decisions and conclusions based on the information available versus analytical processing of information given that obviously requires more cognition. I comprehend that to just mean we genuinely, we genuinely kind of, you know, have this kind of, you know, quick fire way of analyzing something based off of what's in front of us. Kind of the, was the layman 
way that I understood that. But I, I continue to say, you know, for me, it was so interesting to kind of find immediate proof and find out there's a whole study that was done. Now, some of the root to all of these things, because I wanted to find multiple perspectives, right? And this one that I'm giving to you now that I'm quoting from is more so a mentality perspective. And I think that I've I seen at least three different kind of angles that you can see the, the proof in the pudding that is happiness really has an essential space in the decision making process because we utilize it to think about like, are we going to be happy with what it is that we're going to choose? Is this going to, you know, create the least amount of remorse and the most happiness for making this choice? We even do that to our future selves. A lot of marketers and economists, you utilize a lot of happiness quotients and variability statistics and everything to be able to even market to us. So I can only imagine they probably do this with the algorithms. They do this with sales. They do this with all these different tactics to play on our mood and how good we feel. Probably at different times of the year, like the summertime, we probably spend a lot of money because we're in a happier space. We're in a happier mood. So why wouldn't we, right? Why wouldn't we continuously make decisions that fuel that happy mood, that happy space, that free, that freeing space um, and whatever specifically your thing is. Okay. So now I want to ask you just three questions. What would you say is the last time you felt happy? Hmm. I feel happy right now. Mm. I feel happy right now. Being out here in nature, it just something about it makes you just feel good. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to say the same. I feel good today. I woke up early. I had some coffee. Mm-hmm. had a joint. You know, mm-hmm. we out in nature. I Dang. feel good. I feel happy today. Yeah. Okay, okay. Next. Uh, one thing that... I was challenged to do was kind of define like examples of people who were successful people who spoke to being happy and learning about being happy and also promoting the being successful, but also promoting the idea of them being happy was the key to, to, to their success. It wasn't just them being disciplined. It wasn't these other modalities that I think are forever connected to successful people. And so I found some examples. I found a few things because there's so much research, so much research um, on just the idea of like how satisfaction and all these various things work. I quote from a study of black psychology in 2017, examined the relationship between positive psychological factors such as gratitude and hope and life satisfaction among African-American men, the study found that these positive psychological factors were positively associated with life satisfaction among the participants. Wordy as hell, but I get the point. Then there was also another study that was published in 2019, and it explored the relationship between psychological well-being and the academic motivation among African-American male college students. The study found that higher levels of psychological well-being were associated with greater academic motivation among the participants. So niggas who feel good at school want to finish school. Is that not is that not far fetched? Is that not does that not make sense to what we know to be true? Genuinely, let's think about it. Let's really genuinely think about it. 
And so more than anything, more than anything, I feel like we have to have to prioritize happiness because if we are making more space for depression and anxiety in our lives more than anything, then that's going to be an issue. That's going to be a problem. That's not going to work. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's just not because you're going to opt out of so many aspects of your life. You just you just will. It's just it just it's just going to happen. It just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And the last quote that's, you know, of my general quotes is uh, yet again, a third study published in the Journal of Black Psychology in 2020 investigated the role of racial identity and racial socialization and the well-being of African-American men. The study found that positive racial identity and racial socialization were positively associated with well-being among participants. And so even when it comes to who we are from an identity context, if we're not happy about being black men, that then creates negative decisions, negative output, negative, negative, negative. You get what I'm going with this? But then I was like, let me get some black men quotes. Let me get some direct black men quotes. And I found a few from three, uh, what I believe most people would consider to be very successful, very well known, three black men. I do think it's intriguing that all three of these black men are entertainers. Um, But I feel like that is kind of what it is when it comes to the society that we live in. Um, That's that's kind of what it is when it comes to the society that we live in. I think that we are. I think that we are, you know, if any for any reason, only lift up and kind of, you know, allow for certain stars to rise when it comes to people who entertain us. More than anything, people who educate us really aren't, quote unquote, as famous as they used to be back in the day. People who want to heal us and, you know, lead our spirituality honestly aren't even as popular as they were just several decades ago, you know? And I think that's some of that is for good reason um, when it comes to the spirit, you know, the spiritual leader type of thing or religious leader type of thing, because, you know, I feel like a few people kind of show show their true colors and see see dollar signs more than they see liberation of people. But let me not get on my soapbox. Um, I'll give you these quotes. So Pharrell Williams, the Grammy Award winning singer, songwriter, producer. Um, has spoken about the role that happiness has played in his creative process. He wrote the song Happy, which celebrates the power of happiness and has said that the, he believes that happiness is the key to success. In a 2015 interview with The New York Times, he said, I'm not trying to be happy because I'm successful. I'm successful because I'm happy. Mm. Moving on to Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. The entired, the retired NBA star and entrepreneur has also emphasized the importance of happiness in his life. In his book, 32 Ways to Be a Champion in Business, he writes about the importance of of maintaining a positive attitude and finding joy in your work. Hmm. He also emphasized the importance of giving back and making a positive impact on others, which can bring a sense of happiness and fulfillment. 
Okay. Um. Lastly, Damon John, um, the entrepreneur investor and also one of the hosts of Shark Tank, has spoken on the role that happiness has played in his success. In his book, The Power of Broke, he writes about the importance of finding joy in your work and pursuing your passion. He also emphasized the importance of maintaining a positive attitude and focusing on the things you can control. Now, before I got to this whole idea of, you know what, I need to, you know, really prioritize happiness more often. The thought that I had several weeks ago was I need to focus on the things I can control. And so it's very affirming and feels very like just it it just feels very aligned that I'm finding out that this is exactly what I should be thinking. This is exactly what I should be doing. This is exactly the pathway to a version of success for myself. Um, It's a great question. Uh, I think the last time I felt happy was like two weeks ago. Mm. Um, and it was always performing. So I saved. Um, and so that's a, a way for me to, to love on what I'm passionate about in my life. And so I feel like I'm at peace. I'm in my zone, you know what I'm saying? Like when I'm in that space. And so I think that's the last time I felt pure happiness. I wasn't really too concerned with what was going on in the outside world. I was just inner, you know what I'm saying? Like focused on me. And uh, I think that's when I was the last time that I was like truly happy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm happy right now. Hey. Um, I have been in a consistent space of happiness for probably the past like 30 days at least. Come on. Um, and I would say just because of some inner work that I've been doing, um, uh, I changed my diet recently to a plant-based diet. And I think that that has heavily impacted um, my sense of inner peace and happiness. Mm. Um, and so I, I think in general, I'm just walking in a space of gratitude and in walking in the space of gratitude, it makes like a lot of different things enjoyable for me and just waking up in the morning and being able to smell fresh air and having a job and hey. <laughs> having a, right. having a home, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Not, not bloated or, right. or uncomfortable. So, uh, I would say for me, I, I usually walk in a, a consistent space of, of happiness. If you got people who are millionaires having the same ideology and, you know, capitalism isn't the way to freedom. I don't really believe that, but I do believe that getting anywhere close to, you know, anywhere into my own version of financial stability, mental stability, spiritual stability, all these various things are, is the goal. So whatever that looks like for me is really what I'm doing all this for, you know? Um, but I, but I feel, but to, you know, continue, but to continue, I believe that, you know, there was some interesting finds when it comes to this, you know, this research. And another thing that, you know, that came from how happiness affects your choice, that scholarly journal that I quoted earlier, it also reads that according to the article in the Journal of Consumer research, individuals in a positive mood are more likely to engage in heuristic processing, which involves forming immediate decisions and conclusions based on available information rather than analytical processing. Now, when we're happy, we tend to. If anything, just kind of, you know, make a decision based off of what's happening in front of us. So it's about the options that we see, the things that are quickly, you know, at our grasp is quick math. Versus 
doing a lot of algebra, doing a lot of analytical processing, taking your time, maybe not being so quick to make a decision because you want to, you know, get a very particular result, which usually requires just more thinking or cognition, as they say in this article. The article suggests that positive mood can lead to more reliance on effective cues, which can lead to biased decision making. The research suggests that people who are in a positive mood may be more prone to making decisions based on their emotions rather than analytical thinking. Now, I think that the key to what I was seeing on the, in the field while I was capturing responses that you see throughout this episode, what I noticed was that a lot of people, it was, I think my idea of happiness is one that's so optimal and so beautiful and so high and mighty and, you know, at the, at the tippy tippy top of so many, you know, things, because I, I put the descriptor, the description of my own happiness is something that, you know, I put it, I see it as the umbrella and there's these other positive things that are under it, like peace, like, you know, like, you know, tranquility and, you know, just, you know, good feelings and all those different things. I think that's all under happiness to a degree. Um, but which can lead to a biased decision making, you know? Honestly, today, I'm like a little flower. As soon as I get sunshine, a little fresh air, I literally feel bountiful. So that's what it's felt like today. I like that. Absolutely. Today as well. Yeah, this little whole weekend for me is like a self-care weekend. My daughter's away. So I went hiking yesterday, took my shoes off, connected with the ground. You know, being around other people, you feel the energy. It's been it's been really you know? great. Oh, yeah. Okay. On the other hand, when people are in a negative mood, they might be more analytical and take more time to make a decision. However, it's important to note that making decisions in a positive mood can also have benefits, such as promoting pr creativity and flexibility in thinking. Overall, it's important to consider the pi potential biases that might arise when making decisions in a positive mood and to balance emotions with objective analysis. Now, to me, I feel like, yes, be happy most of the time if you can. But, you know, happiness is something that is, you know, not even fleeting, but it's life isn't meant for you just to solely be happy because there's things there's it's too much. It's too complex. There's too much variety and emotionality for you to stay one way all the time. Um, but you, it's something that you should be always be able to get back to. Is how I feel more than anything. And so to me, I feel like strengthening your mind, strengthening your mind, getting your mental capacity better, getting your, you know, all of your psychological capacity better, increasing your bandwidth in these various ways, sharpening your tools. To me, I feel like creates a space for when you're in a happy mood for the decisions you make to be extremely effective to your life, to have a, a, a nice little tinge of analytical thinking in it, analytical reasoning in it. So when you are in a happy space, you still making the best decision for yourself. Why not? It's a balanced decision because when you're positive, if you, if you, if the natural state of mind and state of being that you are is one that is truly, truly, truly something that just, you can stand on that you swear by, Keep it going. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like prioritizing your happiness, but also knowing that you are a smarter person. You're in, in, encouraging yourself to be the most optimal version of yourself. Why wouldn't the happiest version of you make the best decisions for yourself? And yes, 
it may be a, you know, a knee jerk reaction when you are in a crisis to still, you know, maybe. But I think that there's still this idea of still seeking out happiness, seeking out the best result that it won't and continue this negative feeling or continue the stress that you feel. So even when it comes to you feeling stressed, you're trying your best to not feel that way. You're trying to feel the complete opposite. You would love to be happy when you stress. You would love to feel something else most of the time, you know, but to each his own. Do you believe that you make better decisions when you're happy? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the clarity, the <laughs> mental clarity is there. Yes, I'd absolutely make the best decision. I definitely agree. I feel like if you're in a negative space mentally or not as happy, you're going to make more of those type of decisions rather than, you know, your most yeah. happy, peaceful self is going to think rationally. Okay, okay. Then you have, you know, this practical perspective, um, which I, I quote from an economist, um, an economist's article uh, where he speaks to, he speaks to, you know, it, in more of a, you know, kind of like as we think about the kind of macro economic aspect of, you know, predicting and assuming and, and forecasting what people will do if you have optimal life with them. You know what I'm saying? So you got money, you got disposable income, you do well, we can sell and market you lifestyle that we believe projects what you feel about your life. Um, and that's how marketing essentially works. It's kind of a lot of, you know, mind tricks being played with people's emotions and moods. Because if you don't have money, we'll probably give you ads about credit, ads about getting more money, side hustles, more applications, Indeed ads, uh, LinkedIn ads, so on and so on. Going back to school, you're going to get these things to try to, you know, get you a part of a particular industry that's all about improving or putting you in a better, quote unquote, position in life. But if you're a person who already has bread, already has money, nine times out of ten, those Rarely ever seen luxury ads, you'll get them. <laughs> luxury items, you'll get them. Come to Neiman Marcus. Come to Berto Goodman. Come on down. You know what I'm saying? Come buy some diamonds. You feel me? What about a new car? Because they know and they sense that you got it. And with this data and all these things, that's what they're playing on. So, and I quote, if you were to know that a future medical resident was uh, was considering two options that he thinks one of them will make him happier. 70 to 80% of the time he is going to choose the one. That's the one he will choose the one that will make him happiest. If we're thinking about trading off though, say going to a more prestigious re residency in a location that your spouse likes less, you're more than likely to weigh Weight your spouse's opinion more heavily in your choice than you would in your forecast about how happy you'll be in the future. So you may like you may want to go to New York, but your spouse don't. <laughs> she want to go to, mm, let's say, uh, Florida, you know, for your residency. And you're going to try to your best to because there's a connection to your happiness if somebody else is unhappy. So you prioritize someone else's over yours. And I think this is a high tendency. A lot of men find themselves in, a lot of women find themselves in, you know, from interpersonal spaces as well. Now, always not in the exact same way, but for sure, all the time. This is something that we all go through. 
Yeah, I would say yeah, but <laughs> but I think sometimes when you're not happy, you make you're a little bit more focused on the decisions that you're making. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like when I'm sad, I'm a little bit more focused on how I can get happy, mm -hmm. and so I might be I might make a better decision for myself. Mm -hmm. When I'm happy, I might just be a little bit more free flowing with it, mm -hmm. and it may not necessarily be what's great for me at that time per se. I'm just in this this space where I'm like, all right. Well, Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm happy. I might as well go buy this. I don't need to buy that, but I'm happy right now. So I'm feeling myself. Let me go buy these pair of sneakers I didn't really need. But when you're, you know, in a state where you're not as happy, you're focused a little bit more on making the right decision. Mm. I think so. It's, you know, so yes and no. It depends. Yeah. I, like I, I actually was thinking something similar. I was thinking that in a space of happiness, it could, the, the Jubilee could potentially like, make me do something that's maybe not irrational based off of just the yeah. the joy that I'm feeling. So I don't know if if happiness is is tied to good decision making for me. Yeah, yeah awesome. I'm not sure. Because something might something might make me happy or feel good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for me. Okay. So for that reason I'm not sure that happiness is tied to good decision making for me. This is something that we all go through. And I continue, so in some sense to benefit their spouse. So in some sense, this could be evidence that people are willing to sacrifice their own happiness to benefit their spouse in these kinds of decisions. So for a lot of people, as soon as, and that's the crazy, that's the crazy trap about, you know, quote unquote masculinity and patriarchy is that they've indoctrinated us to be on this grind mentality subscribing to the idea that we need to work hard, bootstrap mentality, you know, grind and grit. Then they encourage you to have a family, be head of a household, because if you could take care of yourself and be sexual, successful on your own, the true showing of that is creating some type of legacy lineage, increasing that, putting that into, you know, into the, the generational society in the next generation's society because you are quote unquote so successful. But what do you do when you start to make a family? You, uh, you become responsible for more people. So if you already have lived a life of, you know, shelving your happiness, imagine what you're gonna do when you have a family, when you have a spouse, when you have some children to tend to. Your happiness takes, your happiness takes fourth place in this game, in this game of Mario Kart every time. You're never winning, you're getting, Thunderbolted, you're getting browser shelled. You're not going to win ever because you don't prioritize yourself. That's what's happening. But then I thought, like, okay, I got the mentality, I got the practical perspective on this idea of you know making decisions when you're happy. But what about what about psychologically? And I was like, is it a difference between mentality and psychological? And there is. But I quote from psychology today, as I said, all links in the description. In general, being in a good mood leads to positive emotions for if, to positive emotion forecasts, while being in a bad mood produces negative emotion forecasts. Decisions we make about whether to participate in an activity in the future and how we expect to feel during the activity depend to a large degree on our current mood. This means that before we commit to being a part of seemingly exciting project at work or going to a friend's home housewarming party, we must consider factors other than how we excite, how, how excited we feel about our commitment in that moment. So 
what I gather, what I gather more than anything from this, from a psychological context is that our state of mood is going to judge what's going to happen next. And I think this is heavily, you know, seen in examples of people who happen to be, you know, introverted. Um, But honestly, extroverted people, too. When you think about the idea of just going out or being invited out, you don't want to you're introverted. You don't want to leave the crib. You don't want to go out. You don't want to get dressed. You don't want to do none of the things that's going to take for you to have to effectively go out and make you satisfied with the idea of going out because you don't want to go out. And now you feel shameful for being underdressed or whatever it is. So you might mess around and opt out of going entirely, but also have this odd shame of like, I don't go out as much. I need to you know, see some sun, get some, you know, let people see my face so that people know I'm good because people probably think I'm in here, you know, climbing up the walls, losing my mind. But that's the thing, you know? So if you're in a good space, you're in a good mood, you'll probably be tend, you tend to choose the things that, you know, make sense for you. Even if the option to stay at home is still a happy one, you're going to choose it in the, in the quickest, best way. Um, and that's another reason why I encourage Let's just prioritize happiness. Why not? Tell me the downfall to it. Because because I think that it's so interesting that we have this like space for absolute negativity. While I think that we need to move life to a more neutral space, because I don't believe that happiness is something that you're going to always have. But prioritizing it, though, means that that's more part of your, you know, organic, natural default of you know, being more than not, because why not be happy? Why not feel good about life? Why not be graceful and thankful and all the things that you could probably define as happiness for you? I just think it's a no brainer, to be quite honest, but everybody's different. Now, I think that the real true only drawbacks when it comes to happiness is how you think of it. How do you define happiness for yourself? And I think some people can use maybe a broadening of the idea of happiness for themselves. And some people probably can, you know, probably you find better language to describe some of these things that are toxic to them, but develop some type of positive or quote unquote simulated positive feeling. You know, think about people who want to, you know, drink less. A lot of people who tend to be in a good mood, if you're in a good mood, if you're in a good space, you might want to celebrate by drinking, but you want to drink less. So what you know that there's a a connection or a complex happening with the idea of like when you're in a good space, when you get good news that nine times out of 10, the thing that you want to do and the people around you want to do is to do a thing that you have already started to deem not good for you. And I think that you have to be serious about yourself enough to know that (laughs) that is the thing that's going to make you unhappy if you continue to drink. It's a momentary feeling that won't make you feel better later. You're not being good to your future self when that's what decisions are. That's all decisions are. We're make, you make a decision to go to bed early so you can be you know, f- fully rested by the time that you wake up for whatever you got to do the next day. That's what all this is for. That's what all this is doing. So why not get into it? Why not? I would say I make better decisions when I'm at peace. And sometimes my happiness isn't always fueled by the things that bring me peace. Mm. So I have to be really deliberate about sitting down and examining what's bringing me this happiness. Is it fleeting or is it joy, which sometimes for me feels more permanent Mm -hmm. or like a state of mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I can decipher between the two and I'm clear that I'm operating out of joy, 
then I feel much more, well, operating out of joy, motivated by peace, then yes, I'm making my best decisions at that time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's happiness, better decisions when I'm happy. No. I'm just going to say a note to that. I can expand on it and say, I guess I just check in with myself when I make decisions. It doesn't really matter the necessarily that I don't rely on happiness to make decisions or if the decision is going to make me happy necessarily. So, yeah. Make good decisions because you're in a good space. For me, I genuinely feel like Anytime I'm in duress, anytime I'm like in a, in a moment or in a crisis, I'm so in, 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 in caught up in the damn rapture of what's going on that I'm trying my best to get to that solution space so that I can just get out of this feeling that I might be so quick and brash with my decision making that I'm maybe not even making the best decision for myself in that moment. I'm just making whatever decision is kind of given to me or taking whatever suggestion that may be given to me, whatever, whatever, instead of kind of pausing taking a deep breath, you know, getting myself at least centered and then starting to pull the trigger on what it is that I need to do in the moment, you know, and just making space to know that like, I'm, I'm, I'm good and everything's going to be okay, which might not be, you know, which is really just a pathway back to happiness. It might not be directly happiness next, but it feels a lot better. Let us get to the overall recap of this, to be quite honest, is mentally, psychologically, and practically, there's evidence that shows that you make the best decisions when you're in a, bad, in a good mood, when you're in a happy space, when you feel good. Now, no matter what it is that you define as your happiness, I expect for you to analyze that for yourself. I believe that we all can benefit from looking at ourselves, looking at our lives, and creating and prioritizing happiness as a whole. Now, the joy is three. Like I said, we need to get into the send it on portion of the episode. If you're new here to the Simply King podcast, send it on is my call to action segment. And the call to action segment is something that I've already, you know, I didn't bury the lead. I gave it to you right in the beginning. The Joyous Three. The Joyous Three main purpose, and you can write this down for yourself in your journal. You can record a video. This is that's something I started to do after 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 therapy to, you know, kind of debrief with myself, a little personal journal. But I implore you to ask yourself these three questions. These three questions. When was the last time you were happy? And describe it in whatever amount of detail you like. Do you believe you make better decisions when you're happy? Answer that for yourself. And lastly, do you think you prioritize happiness in your life right now? It's a check-in. It's a it's a, a actionable practice, something that I suggest you do as often as you believe you should. Maybe every few months, maybe every few weeks. Add it to your practice, add it to your self-care, your self-wellness practices. And I think it'll help. I believe it'll help. Something that I'm gonna do is something that I hope that you know we all can be 
you know, community on doing, you know, but no, I want to thank everyone who gave me any type of input on this episode. I really appreciate you so much. Um, Special thanks to all of my best friends who gave me some type of inspiration when it came to this, some type of affirmation when it came to this and some type of encouragement to make sure I do it and do it my my way. Um, Thank you to everyone who contributed, who contributed to all of the, you know, on the field content and um, answered my questions and felt comfortable for me to share those on this podcast. I thank you so much um, because it's going to, you know, show that I'm not the only one who's thinking about these things, care about these things. These are things that affect us all. Um, And I believe we can all make a better life for ourselves. Like we are in way more control than we know. Um, But more than anything, I want y'all to do the work in so many ways. So even when you come and you think you're just about to get a nice, good, entertaining podcast, I'm encouraging you to do the work. Now, I hope I can make it as entertaining as I, I can and as informative. But in reality, I really want everybody to, to get more out of life, to get more out of themselves, to take themselves and their lives serious, because that's what I'm starting to realize is that a lot of us really aren't that serious. <laughs> a lot of us aren't. And we got to get to a place to where we can be more serious about our lives in a way that is beneficial to us. And uh, beneficial and ultimately beneficial to the people that we care about around us, too. Um, If you don't know, you should know. That. You can reach out to me and follow me everywhere. Podcasts are available. You can follow me everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs. You can tap in with the podcast. At Simply King Pod on IG, Simply King Podcast on Facebook, make sure that you go and follow my and go to the website lifeisking.com to see all of the services that I provide in the realm of digital marketing as well as creative production. I'm here in Atlanta, so when it comes to your creative production, audiovisual needs, hit me up. If you need more assistance in creating your content, maybe you want to start a podcast, let us get into it. Book a consultation and let's get to work. Let's create together. Um, I appreciate y'all so much for tapping in with me, for listening to me, for sticking with me. Um, This is one of those special, definitely bookmark, send it around. Make sure you share this to whoever you know and see, um, because we need this. We need this type of love and work to be done for real, for real. Um, I thank you so much yet again for everybody who participated in this episode. This has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. I've been Rodney Perry. This has been Simply King. Peace. You